We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us today is Simon Goody, Academy Coach at Atletico Madrid in Spain. Formerly Fulham, Bournemouth, Palace, Southampton Academy Coach as well. If the journey isn't fascinating enough, he's also working through his UEFA license in Spain in a different language. Phenomenal story, really informative and really inspirational. Before we start, tons of new content being uploaded on modernsoccercoach.com. If you're getting back in to the season, into training, you're looking for some new ideas, we've got some new resources, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Please check them out. Here is Simon. Enjoy. Simon, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Delighted to have you on. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Uh, a lot to get into. Um, <laughs> the first thing that, that obviously jumped out to me, and I actually I think felt bad. I'm like, how did I not know you were Atletico Madrid? Everyone has a favourite second team. And I was thinking this this morning. Like, I love, I've loved Atletico Madrid for the last 10 years. Um, consistently with what they've done in, in the Spanish game and world football as well. Um, tell me and uh, give us a, an overview of how that whole process went down. Well, I, th- I think first of all, I think you know this is um, a little bit of the power of, of networking, but also also travelling. So when people ask me uh, about how how this opportunity came about, it's a bit of a funny story because uh, I'm actually going to say. It happened because of a trip that I took to Australia, of all places. Uh, so um, went to Australia uh, in 2018, 2019, 2020, and in one of those in one of those visits when I went over, uh, I made contact with a, a Spanish coach who was working in one of the clubs out in Australia. Uh, messaged him beforehand, said, "Look, I'm gonna gonna come over." to Australia, I'd love to come and see what you do, want to get to know you, want to see a little bit of how you work. So I went over, met him, watched a few sessions, spent a little bit of time with him. And then we kept in contact, we kept chatting. Um, and then when it got to the point where I was thinking about coming to coming to Madrid, I reached out to him and said, look, uh, I'm going to be going to be moving to Spain, going to be moving to Madrid. Do, do you know anyone? Um, so and he put me in contact with a coach who works at Real. Uh, I was then chatting to him for a while. Uh, and then, must have been half a year, a year down the line, he um, randomly passed on my contact details to one of his friends, who is well now my boss at Atleti. They then got in contact with me and said, uh, we, we hear you're in Madrid. Uh, we'd like to have a chat with you. Um, so then had had a sort of interview chat with them um, and I can remember one of the first things uh, my, well, my, my boss now said to me was like do you want to do the interview in English or in Spanish um, and I'd been in the country for about a year I think at that point half a year a year 
so I went for Spanish, did it in Spanish. It was pretty basic, but I managed to do most of it in Spanish. And then um, he said, look, you know, absolute credit to you for doing it in Spanish. Your Spanish isn't quite ready yet, but we'll keep in contact and, you know, we'll, we'll see how you get on from there. Kept in contact over the next year. Uh, and then he was like, look, okay, I think your Spanish is, is good enough. And then it uh, happened so that on, on my birthday, uh, they offered me, the, offered me a job. So um, basically because of a trip to Australia, effectively answers that question. Wow. Wow. What a story. Amazing. I mean, it's interesting that that was his first, the, the, the piece, obviously the networking piece and putting yourself out there and, and going to Australia and meeting people. We'll get into that and the power of that there. We'll get into that in the, in the podcast. What I'm interested of is that piece of where he was testing the language. He obviously respected the fact that you did it in Spanish. Or was there, Yeah. do you think there was a piece where he's like, listen, you've got to be at a certain level here in order to, to communicate your points? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when 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 they reached out and said, look, you know, we want to chat to you and, and get to know you a little bit more and talk about opportunities. Obviously, I'm in Spain. I'm not going to be offered a job if I decide to talk in English for a club and for for, for, for a job that's going to need me to talk in Spanish. So I was like, well, this is quite an easy decision to make. Well, let's go for it in Spanish and we see where we where we get to. Uh, and it was good. It was nice to have that experience, chuck yourself sort of in, into that sort of position. Um, obviously, I wasn't successful in that moment. I, I knew my level was was very very basic, but you know the the coaching here is all done in Spanish, obviously. So if if your Spanish isn't at a you know, especially as a foreigner, it's got to be it's got to be half decent. Otherwise, you've got no chance. Staying on the language piece, then. When you started the job and you mentioned you got the job on your birthday and happy days, full steam ahead. When you yeah. went in, you're obviously, you obviously like there's still a progression in your language and, and yeah. being confident in it. Did, did you find that change anything about when you're on the pitch and coaching and, and was there anything that you went through in that process to get more confident? You, you, you need to suffer, really. That's, <laughs> there's no easy way to, to, to flower it up, if you like. You're like in... I mean, I'd already done some coaching before I started with Aleti. So uh, this is now going into my fourth year here in Spain. Um, in my first year, I did a little bit of coaching, uh, but then I did lots of lessons. In my second year, I was with a grassroots team. So I'd already got some exposure. I'd already kind of gone through some of those initial feelings, if you like. Uh, and then in my third year, that's when I started with Aleti. And I guess nothing can really prepare you for, you know, those first sessions or those first weeks being at a club, you know, as big as Aleti and doing it in, in a foreign language. So, yeah, um, I'd be lying to say if the first part of the season uh, wasn't difficult, um, you know, from from September until we had the Christmas break. It was really challenging. Many times uh, I went home, never, never wanting to leave, like never wanting to to quit and, and give up because it's just not in my nature. Um, but yeah, there were times I got home and were like, okay, that was, that was tough. That was complicated. 
Um, and there were sometimes I, I came home and I was like, okay, fantastic. You know, like it felt really good to to be able to come out from a session using that language and it have an effect and you've been able to actually communicate what you want to do from a football technical perspective in you know in, in that second language. So yeah, there were definitely some some challenging days and some some really uh proud days. I can only imagine how difficult it is. But also that that coming out of it, that boost where you must be, you know, the competence piece and the confidence, like you must feel like a million dollars sometimes to the feeling of working at a club at that magnitude, delivering work in a different language, must make you feel pretty good, you know, when you're driving overnight. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel better now than I did. Um, and obviously, this is my second year at the club. I feel, you know, really fortunate to to be in such a huge organisation, such a huge club to to be to be working in football, to be coaching, but also then doing that in a second language and um, to come out of last season uh and to go into this season I, I definitely feel much more confident this season than I did last season um I feel my delivery is is better my communication is better I feel a lot more comfortable and confident with the language obviously it's time you need to go through those difficult moments and um I know we'll probably touch on this at some point but doing my doing the, the a license here at the moment as well has been another uh, aspect that has really challenged my language uh, in in many different ways, and seeing moments and reflecting on moments of of video and evidence has gives you confidence to to see. But it takes time, you know. You, you're going to make lots of errors. I've made lots of errors in my communication to, to players, and um, there there are moments, and you know, you can talk about this from a little bit of a, an education perspective and a teacher perspective. Is like when you were at school and you had a cover teacher. If you had a cover teacher and they weren't completely fluid with the subject, uh, you, you knew as a as a student, well, hang on a minute, something's a little bit a little bit off here, or a little bit funny here. So people are a little bit different, and there were times, especially when I was just not fully confident with the language, and I'm trying to explain stuff with the players and you can see in the corner of your eyes that some of them are a little bit like obviously you say something in Spanish a little bit different to a native and they're a little bit like you can see in the corner they're a little bit like kids are kids and they're like try not to, to laugh because you say something a little bit strange or so those things you have to you have to work through and you have to get through because those if you let it affect you too much it will really knock your confidence first off a lot of fascination with the Spanish model, uh, a lot of stereotypes and generalizations about the way they develop players, it, particularly from a North American audience where we do have an inferiority complex, I believe, with youth development. But then also from a perspective of there's a lot of generalizations with the development process in England as well. Yeah. Having experienced both of those, what give us an overview if you can, of how are they different, the models in those two countries? Yeah, I, I think here the, the biggest focus is of, of football here in Spain is the technical aspects and the tactical aspects. Um, socially, it's ingrained here in Spain that kind of it's just a given that the, the players are very good socially. 
Um, I think that's in the culture of Spain that the players are really confident, really good with each other, um, really competitive in some of those aspects from from a cultural perspective. But the focus really here in Spain is, you know, technical excellence, technical level, and then the tactical understanding, which happens from a really, really young age. Um, There's aspects of practices that uh, you see at really young ages here in Spain that you would probably, from an outside looking in, think, well, hang on a minute, that's not something that we should be doing just yet. But here, here it's done. And I think you can see that in a in a senior level, how good the technical and the tactical level is of football from a from a, a Spanish perspective is. Where I think in comparison to England, for example, it's obviously getting better. That that aspect is is much better than it was. But traditionally, the physical side, for example, in England has always been really important you know we've always wanted to improve players technically and, and tactically etc but the physical side has always been much more apparent in teams this you know this player's big physical strong da 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 well they're gonna they're gonna play here it's a little bit different and I think a little bit in America you know I've, I've spent not not very long in America I've spent a little bit of time in America but that would also be a little bit because so many coaches have gone to America from England. That style is probably transferred a little bit over over there, and I think that's the difference for me that I see in Spain is technical and, and tactical is at the forefront of everything. That social piece is interesting that you reference. You wrote you referenced it as the that's a part that's ingrained or it's in their in their society. Are you talking there about the? the way they are with each other or more of a psychology of the way they approach training and the way they work? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, the players are very social with each other. There's a big uh, aspect of that from a, a cultural perspective. But also within that, there are um, a lot of tournaments here in Spain. There's regular tournaments and there is a big mentality on winning. There's a massive mentality on winning. There's lots of opportunities to win. Um, obviously, we have a we have a league structure here. All the players, parents are really into that. Now, I've been to different tournaments throughout the years here, especially grassroots, and there are parents with um, drums, uh, flags. It is a proper like carnival atmosphere for for tournaments. It is really. Uh, very, very passionate, very motivated, and there is a huge focus on winning. It is really driven with with a lot of that. Um, not always, not always. I mean, I, 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 from, from an English perspective or from an England perspective, we, we don't quite have that drilled into us. So that was something that when I came here and go through some of that, and I'm seeing some. Some players, you know, when I was with my grassroots team here, go to games and tournaments and I've, there are kids who are crying at the end of games because they've lost. It's like, wow, OK, that is, you know, I, I don't take it quite uh, as as much as that. But, yeah, that is a huge factor here. Yeah, see, I think we're missing that. I spoke to uh, Chris, uh, Christopher O'Hare, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago in Villarreal, and same thing yeah. with, with the competitive element. 
which we think that's our downfall in America. And and I like I I would disagree. Like we we it's all these other countries are, if not more competitive on the result. But it seems like the process around work is just as intense and deliberate and passionate. Whereas Saturday's almost the the feels come alive here, and that this the discrepancy between the Saturday and the Tuesday yeah. is where I think in our culture over here. I mean, how would you describe a Tuesday night, a rainy Tuesday night in Madrid? Like, what no, it, yeah, it, it's, it's competitive. Yeah. It's very competitive. Um, you know, every every session, there is a huge intent from, from us as coaches to drive sessions, to get the best out of players uh, and for them to try and be the best they can they can be. Um, you know, the, the intensity that we ask of players is, is is really high. Um and I also personally agree with that model, even from from previous work in, in England. And one of my biggest things was when I was at Southampton, we had a we had a technical director at, at Saints that was uh, really, really intense with with that and really trying to drive sessions, really driving the intensity. Because then actually then you arrive at a match day and it's similar. It's not the intensity on a, on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday is is fifty percent, and then you arrive to a match day and it's like, well, now we need to be one hundred percent. It needs to be almost in some senses that the sessions are harder than the game because if you get to the game and it's a little bit easier and you feel a bit more comfortable, maybe you're going to perform perform better. Um, so, yeah, I think those aspects for for training and the intensity and the the quality that we we expect from the players is is very high. Uh, this is great. So, a lot of coaches will probably be a little bit surprised by that intensity and quality being really, really high. And sometimes, with again a generalization, the Rondo generalization that is often misinterpreted is that a Rondo will slow it down four v two. It goes with players get casual. What are some ways that you would say that you can actually have you can tick both boxes there? Well, I think you know, in terms of numbers, how you uh, create those overloads, how you change the rules, the space, the size of the area, the numbers, as I said, but then also make it competitive. Um, we have things uh, within the club where uh, certain players will have to take the the equipment back to the equipment room. And how that is determined will be done based on some tasks, or sometimes if if, if players are late to sessions, you know you, you can you can determine that. And trying to find you know non non physical um, sort of forfeits, if you like, to try and also drive some of those. But I, I think you as a coach, so much energy. And enthusiasm and standards have to come from you. You're the one that sets a lot of that, and I think you have to be in there with the players, you know, demanding that that level of of work. And I think if you do that, the players respond to that. The quality goes up, the speed goes up, the standards go up, the the touches, the repetition, all of that. Then the outcomes from all of those bits of effort, then you you, you see the progress. 
Hello coaches, we'll take a quick break here. As always, really, really appreciate all the support for the podcast, for the resources, for the website, for the YouTube channel. Our Modern Soccer Coach Analysis Bootcamp for January has sold out. I even put a couple of extra spots on there. It's completely sold out. We opened up a few extra spots as well for students to try and make analysis a little bit more available. So I really appreciate your support on that there. If you're looking for resources for the season, we've got a ton of new content that has been uploaded and that will continue to be uploaded on the Modern Soccer Coach website modernsoccercoach.com articles videos ebooks there's a ton of free content on there and as always if you enjoy the free content and you would like more resources please check out the new books we've got 30 small-sided possession games if the numbers in your training is fluctuating as players re-enter 30 small-sided possession exercises a really good resource also got high tempo passing exercises if you're looking to align your warm-ups with the rest of your session really good resource we've also got some resources for under six and under eight coaches up there as well fun games for them with the ball at the center of everything so as always i appreciate the support modernsoccercoach.com please check it out appreciate the support good luck for the upcoming season going back to the social piece and kind of linking that there the, the tactical athletical have made a a pretty rich history of maybe overachieving by financial terms, but definitely competing with higher than many anticipated. With this intensity and this identity, this collective approach that Simeone, I would say, without understanding really well, seems to be, hey, it's all in, one for all, this mentality. Is that that collectiveness? Is that, you know, when you're comparing to English models, sometimes difficult from a development standpoint to coach collectivity and mentality is there work at the club that's pointed in that direction i think maybe not necessarily towards the 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 manager i mean in, in some aspects from a from a club perspective we obviously have some some room within certain systems and formations if you like i think in some aspects the preference would be for us to play 4-4-2. I know the first team is not currently playing uh, a 4-4-2 at the moment, but it has done previously. Um, but the intensity, the energy that you see from Simeone, for example, that is really in the coaches, that's really in the club, that's really in what the the sessions are like. You know, the coaches are really engaged, really on it driving the sessions, driving intensity, you know, it's not quite, um, uh, especially on the sidelines, not quite as uh, animated as you you, you see Simeone. Um, But traditionally, you know, football here and the Spanish are really um, involved, not, not quite emotional, but there is some elements of that where the passion here is... It is really strong. I wouldn't say life and death, but it is really, really strong. The passion for football, the passion for intensity, the passion for improving, the passion for, in some in some aspects, winning um, to be there. But it is really sometimes, you know, sort of heart on your sleeve stuff. Um, with respect to the fact that, you know, I don't want to ask you questions about specifics in the curriculum or game model, but, but just uh, I'm interested in whether or not, you mentioned that, flexibility tactically that you're allowed 
in, in yeah. the sessions is there is there a lot of freedom to create and, and kind of go off your own thing or you know is that a club-wide model that you just follow or how does that work yeah i mean we have we have a structure that we have to work within um we have the, the session not laid out but we have timings that we must stick to um so basically the sessions are put into four four parts um and it sort of builds up in a sort of i guess you say sort of like a traditional sort of way first part is normally with an snc coach uh which will have obviously some physical uh, abcs in, involved in that with a little bit of technical work in, in that second part then goes into a range of different practices so basically the, the sessions are put into four different phases um, and then within those four different phases, depending on the, the cycle, you can then work within different types of session, like different types of practices. Normally then, as I said, the first part is a bit more technical with some SNC work in it. Second bit, then you'd probably see a bit more of not always rondos, but mini practices that, the players were working so rondos for example or uh passing patterns uh, unopposed work for example could be could be involved in that and then you start getting to bigger picture sort of stuff you might have attack versus defense you might have more transitional practices etc in in that sort of bit so the game starts to then get get bigger and then normally the last half an hour so we train for half, an hour and a half we have 20 minutes 20 minutes 20 minutes and then the last half an hour then is really important. This is something that Aleti is really, really big on, is that it is then a lot of game focus and game play. Uh, and really try and let the players play as much as possible within that game, within that time. Ball rolling time needs to be very high. And then try to work within those, within those minutes, within that time to then add different bits on that you want to try to do. But hopefully with the parts and bits that you've worked on in the previous three three sections, you should hopefully see that within that within that part of the session, within the gameplay. And that gameplay can can, can take different formats if you like. Um, you can do small sided games, you can do bigger, you know, attack versus defense or other types of, of gameplay, but it's a bit more not necessarily free play, but it's it's more this is the game. Analysis around that, the sessions, uh, what's the post kind of review process look like? Yeah, I mean, we will, as coaches, always review and reflect on the sessions. We'll, we'll talk in the in the build-up before before the week about what things we want to do. It has some aspects and elements from the previous game. Uh, obviously, the games, you don't always want to base everything you need to work off based on that, that opponent or that game, but you can see trends within those games that the players are doing well, that the players are finding difficult and things that you need to work on, but still within the broad sort of aspect and the curriculum that the, the club wants to, to work towards within the range of different types of practices that you can you can put in that. But generally as coaches, we get we do get flexibility in terms of what we want to try to, to put in and the practices we want to put in. But when we do the different types of practices, that's when we're a little bit more right. In this week on session one, these types of practices should be used. In session two, these types of practices should be used in 
task one, task two, task three, or task four, and then that's how we how we work. And then as a coach, then you do get flexibility in terms of how you draw up those sessions and tasks for the players. How much have you changed as a coach, like in, your, in terms of your philosophy or or focusing on different things, or what does that what's that look like over the last eighteen months, twenty four months? Yeah, it's been been interesting. Um, you know, I think I've had the not the the luxury, but the the luck, I guess, a little bit to have been able to been in some 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 big clubs and some different clubs, and I think in each of those clubs you take. Uh, experiences from those clubs' curriculums, the types of practices and sessions that they do, when they want them to be, and obviously that that evolves. Um, and I think my my coaching, especially before I came to Spain, when I was at Saints, was really really powerful for me. And coming to Aleti has been really really insightful. And I think naturally as a coach, you try and take the best bits from all of your experiences that you've you've gained. And I think sometimes sometimes you can look at it two different ways. You can say, well, there's a coach that's been at one club for 20 years, or you've got another coach that's been at five clubs within the 20 years. And people can take different perceptions of that and they go, well, this coach has been here 20 years. That That's brilliant. You know, they show longevity, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's great. Or you look at it the other way, and it depends what sort of perspective you put on that. You go, well, this coach has been at these different clubs. You know, maybe they don't stay for very long or, or whatever. When you look at a coach, and this is where I kind of look at it, and you've been at a coach, that you've been at some clubs for three, four years, five years, you've got a really good understanding of that methodology. But then you've got an understanding of four or five different clubs and how they work. And I think then you as a coach and your experience is much more broader unless you've been in one club and the methodology's changed every three, four years. But I take my experience as a, as a, as a, as a really, really positive thing for me personally, because I've seen so many different types of ways of working, which then informs me as an individual in terms of, okay, I like those bits, those bits I'm not sure about, I need to reflect on that a bit more, and those bits I, I don't really like. And then as a, as, a, as a coach, as a person, you then try and reflect on that and think, okay, you know, when you're in, you know, big clubs, you generally are not told, but you're, you kind of need to go in a certain way. If at one point then you go to another club where you have more flexibility, well, you've got all those experiences to pull from. And then that's when you can really go, right, these are the amazing things I've learned from, from these different clubs and, and you push on. Uh, and I think from from what I've taken so far from from being here in Spain, Analetti is, you know, it's been has been fantastic. Especially as I said to you before, you know that that technical perspective, that tactical perspective for me is something I I still marvel about from a, from a Spanish perspective. I just love it. Let's move on. Coach education now, and and uh, just as fascinating, really. Once I started a little bit of research and and uh, scouring. Uh, online uh, and looking at your pathway and your journey uh, from an education standpoint, the the Spanish courses first and foremost. The we talked a little bit before we start recording. The having to present in Spanish. Um, before we get into that, the presentations and I know you've got a good story about how they kind of threw a couple of curveballs. But before we get into that, what um, w another 
broad question. Like, what what are the ba- the big differences in Spanish coach education philosophy and English FA philosophy? Um, you know, I can't comment on um, the A license or the Pro license in England because obviously I've not I've not done them. And one of the reasons why I came to Spain was because I thought there was more possibility to to do that. Um, I mean, I did my UEFA B license in England uh, for um, seventeen years ago. Uh, so many, many moons have passed since I've done my UEFA B. You know, I've done my youth awards in England. Um, probably what you say within the last decade. Um, so long time ago since I've done you know proper you know either youth awards or UEFA course in England, but. I think the things, you know, when I talk to different people who are kind of going along that journey now, the courses for me, you know, here, and I'm sure there are similarities in England because UEFA will still have a, you know, a number of those things that are still similar. But, you know, the, the detail in terms of the tactical aspects here that I'm going through at the moment with the Spanish FA is just is, is brilliant. The tutors that we've got are fantastic. I know I know some of the tutors in England as well, and they're just they're just as top, they're just as amazing. Um, but going through the the coaching pathway here in Spain uh, is is something that I just I, I love. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to do the courses in England um, after applying for for numerous years, and then obviously a huge reason why I came to Spain was because I felt that the possibilities were were bigger here. Um, but yeah, the, the the attention to detail from a tactical perspective, um, how you structure your training weeks, the year, the months, the breakdown in terms of all that periodization is is massive. And that was something that I think that you know here here in Spain was something that really took my took my attention that I wanted to really really go into, and I, I think that's something that we've got here that maybe we don't quite have as much in, in England, for example. Yeah, it might have been a bad question when, when you haven't, you know, you, you can't really explain it like for like. Um, yeah, okay, it's difficult. Yeah, well, there's there's something, and again, I, I, I'm I not sitting doing my USSF Pro or A at the moment, but in talking to people, my there there is a little bit of a gap between the theory and the practice. Some are quite frustrated with that gap where they're saying, listen, Gary, up all night doing this and never going to, you know, like we used to complain about we're doing our GCSEs. Why am I learning about physics? Never going to do it. Almost feels like some of that's moving into coach education. Some of it I understand because they're trying to broaden the scope of coaching and obviously the scope's getting bigger just by nature. The question to you would be, do you feel as if when you're doing that course and you're obviously on the grass and living it, do you feel as if that's it's pretty aligned really well then? Yeah, I mean the the, the A license here is is has been has been really good for preparing me for progressing me in terms of what I'm doing right now, but also preparing me for the next possible steps in in my career. Uh, you know, it covers all areas of of the game, psychological. The diet for players, how you structure sessions, um, you know how you break those sessions down in terms of the different aspects from technical, tactical, physical, psychological, social—all of those aspects that you would 
you would imagine. Uh, and then really delving into each of those and then how you put that together, what your game model is. You know, the, the A license here, and I'm, I don't know if that is the same if they go through this in England, but here, the huge factor, the huge part of that is right. How do you see the game? How do you want the game to be played? How are you going to transmit your philosophy, your football philosophy to the players? How are you going to put that into sessions? How are you going to design a training plan over four weeks, six weeks, season, and then break that down into every single task and then break down that task into, right, what are the principles, what are the sub-principles of your style of play and how are you going to deliver that? So it's not only working on the aspect that you would have in youth development, but it's preparing you for first-team football. It's very much, you know, I, I kind of felt that if I did my A in England, it would be much more designed to, you know, some of those youth pathways. But here, I would definitely say that I really feel ready and prepared for, right, OK, if and when I get a, a senior position with the first team, right, this is, this is how I can apply all of my knowledge to that first team and... If it's my style of football that I want to implement, or if it's someone else's, right, how can I then go back? Right, this is how you want to see the game played. Right, okay, let's take it back. How are we going to implement that in every single task, every single practice, every single training session? How are we going to periodize that with weeks, months of work to arrive to your ideal way of playing? That's what I kind of feel that this course here in Spain has, has prepared me for. Brilliant. Let's talk about the presentation then. Um, I mean, I, I, I still uh, I still can't imagine going up and presenting in a different language in a coaching course. Now, you should have been given a round of applause and a standing ovation after <laughs> 30 seconds of it, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it wasn't that easy. Can you give us an oversight of what it was like? Yeah. Um, so sometimes I guess you can try and duck out of some of those um, situations. I couldn't. In that, in that situation, even if I wanted to. So our tutor basically gave us random playing cards. And if you got a certain card, you had to be the one that presented. Then there was someone else that was the, the cameraman. Someone else was then supporting from behind the scenes. And then someone else was sort of like your assistant on the side. So I, I mean, looking back at it, I luckily pulled the card to present, uh, which looking back on it now, I'm really pleased about. Um, so basically then... I needed to go up and present my model of play in Spanish. Um, the caveats to that, we had a five-minute time limit. We must present the four uh, moments of play, four moments of, of, of my model within five minutes. Uh, we needed to be careful. We didn't go over that five minutes. You needed to cover everything. And then there were a couple of uh, jokers, if you want to say, in, in the audience. Now, those jokers were purposely told before each presentation, and there was only uh, four of us that actually had to present. So I was one of four people that pulled the lucky card, if you like, to present. And then there were a couple of people in, uh, in, uh, in the audience, if you like, who then had to pose questions throughout to try and put you off a little bit or just put you on the spot, which is fine if your native language is Spanish. Um, but when your second language is Spanish and you're trying to present and you're trying to remember all of the things you're you're wanting to say and do that 
one being recorded, two, your tutor, you know, putting you on the spot, three, you've got people watching you, etc. Um, was was a little bit nerve-wracking, but it was a really good experience. And I think uh, even for those people that don't have familiarity or don't know Spanish, if you watch that video, uh, there's a couple of moments where people are chucking questions at me and I'm conscious of the five-minute five time limit. So I'm like, I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you because I know that if I don't go through this criteria, I'm gonna I'm gonna run out of time, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna lose points for that. So, yeah, um, that was a, a fascinating experience. One that was um, you just sort of get in that. Uh, I I was just like, right, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to talk about. And obviously, you know, I've got some little prompts that I had on the board behind me, which I could just utilize a little bit just to help me remember a little bit to, to start me off on some bits, but. Yeah, that was um, that was a cracking experience, to be honest. I uh, see. I love that. I love that. Like, I, I do. I would say that's definitely outside your comfort zone, and not <laughs> yeah. today. Like, I what what my my one, I suppose, criticism of coach education today is that are we approaching the work as the you know you see people saying I had this up till two in the morning, and I was pushed out of my comfort zone and all that with it, but that's work. Like you're talking about. It's not the work that was the comfort zone. It was the situation of trying to deal with bullets flying when you're when you're presenting the work. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to look back on that, and you know, when I I know I didn't think about it in in the moment. I didn't think about it before. You know, they just said, "Well, we're going to have to record you because you have to submit this video as as a group." So I had to I had to present for for my group, and it got uploaded for for us. Um, but I didn't really think about it before, and then I just thought, well. This is quite a, a cool experience. This is quite a, a unique thing that that I've done. It's one that I'm quite proud about. And I'm a big lover of trying to show people that there are opportunities and pathways for people. And I think, you know, we need people to showcase themselves going out of their comfort zone and taking leaps forward. And I just thought, well, I might as well just stick it on Twitter and just show people the, the crazy things that you have to do sometimes. And I mean, really grateful for the the, the Twitter community because a lot of the responses and feedback that I got from, from that from that presentation was really, really nice. Um, so yeah, it, it, it meant a lot to me, a lot of the comments and the feedback. And um, yeah, it's definitely something that in, in my process of, of being here that I, I kind of look back on and, and can be super proud of. So yeah, it was... Good decision to do in the end. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I'll put I'll put the presentation. I'll get it on a link below so people people can take a look. I definitely definitely recommend it. Is it is fantastic. Um, also on your Twitter page, now you speak of that, you pinned a tweet that that kind of describes your application process and the challenges you had getting on Scottish and English FA courses. And there's, yeah. you know, it's it's a, it's a tough tough road. Other people you mentioned there about pe what people need. They need a little bit of inspiration, and, and they probably do need a little bit of inspiration, a bit of guidance to be frustrated and and, uh, and discouraged in that process. What what would you have for them? Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 have to be comfortable not being comfortable, basically. You know, and and if you think about it from a coaching perspective, we are asking that of our players every single session. So if we are asking that of our players we have to also 
we, we have that capability within ourselves to be able to do exactly the same. Um, but because we get older, we like being in our comfort zone more, I think. Um, so I think, you know, you, you've got to just change that approach a little bit and go, right, you know what? There's going to be benefits of this and, you know, go through it. And I think if, if someone is looking to to go abroad, for example, and look to do a course, and if it is to be in a second language, if you have the ability to try and learn some of that language before you go abroad, fantastic. Then it's a case of, right, okay, if you are going to move abroad. So in my, in my thought process before I came here, it was like, right, okay, first of all, um, I need to work. I, I need to be able to afford to be here. So thankfully, I'm, I'm a qualified teacher. Um, that was one of the things that I decided really early that I like going abroad. I like exploring. I like, you know, going around the world. So that was something that I was like, well, if I'm a teacher, I have that that vehicle that can help me go to some of these places and obtain visas, etc. And then I was like, well, obviously then come to Spain, really work hard at the language, put yourself in that situation where you can try and get yourself on the course. And then you put yourself in that situation, you go through the tough times and um, you, you see the, the fruits of your labour after many, many years. But if you want to go abroad, think about how you are going to get yourself there. What is it that you need to do to be able to be be there? Uh, and teaching, I guess, was my, my vehicle that I have been able to, to use that has taken me to a really good British school here in Madrid. I've got a really good role, really uh, good, good place of, of work. And I can do my football on the side like I did in England. I was teaching, I was coaching that, you know, a lot of people have gone down that that pathway as, as coaches do, you know, look, look at Paul Clement. Uh, he was a, an ex-teacher um, and, you know, you have a little bit of that pathway. Not everyone's going to be a teacher, but it's a case of finding something that can, can help take you to that country where you want to, you want to try to develop yourself further. What are Spanish people, do they, what are they fascinated about from the British culture or the English game? I think, you know, some, some of the things that we have in England that is is great is just the, the standard of football. It's football 24-7 in England, uh, always on the Christmas period. You know, the, the Spanish absolutely love seeing all the games over the Christmas period because obviously there's a there's a break here. You know, the intensity of, of games and, you know, the Premier League is not the, the best league in the world because I think it's tough to say that because you know some of the other leagues the Spanish league the German league Italy you know France really really good teams compete at a really good level but you know in England uh, you know from from here so many top players that are currently playing in England that are just so famous and you know you can talk to anyone I think Man City is probably a little bit like Arsenal some of the most talked about teams especially because they've got Spanish managers, a lot of Spanish players. So that link between England and, and, and here in Spain is, is really fresh. So everyone's quite, especially from a Spanish perspective, really interested in, in how they get on. And obviously Pep's had a lot of success over the past few years, especially with quite a high number of Spanish players. So that, that helps. Uh, you mentioned there about coaches and comfort zones and... A lot of it might be, and in continuing education, I think coach, the soccer community, 
from talking to other sports, they do a good job of you know, people have a their fans first and foremost, they have an interest in the game, they want to get better, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But maybe COVID has made that a bit easier. When you're talking about going away and you're talking about maybe taking a fresh challenge, what what do you think the value is of going to trips, club visits, trying to set that on your calendar? Is there value in it? No, hundred percent. You know, um, I mean, I think I've always been a lover of of travelling, but we know, and I think this gets talked about a lot in a, in, a, in, a, in a football perspective. And I think one really key thing is, you know, the the networking side of things is obviously very very important in football. Now, something I think is we we have to be better at generally uh, as coaches, and this is something that I've always tried to go through first is okay you want to network with people that's great but you need to do it in in the right way i will always try to go and actually meet people where they are and show to them i am really interested in what you are doing and i want to actually meet you face to face because i think there's so much more value in that and so much more respect of the person you are trying to get to know if it's possible, if it's possible to actually go and visit them, um, you know, and this role that I got at Letty, obviously, as we spoke about before, you know, came from a visit that I did in Australia. There's other people that I've got to know from visits that I've gone abroad. You know, I've gone to to Norway, I've gone to Sweden, I've come here to Spain numerous times before I, I came here. Australia, you know, I think you have to go and, and make those visits to people in their workplace, get to know them. And be patient with opportunities. You know, my my job at Aleti came ultimately four to five years after that first contact that I made in Australia, and then this opportunity came up. That also happens in in other connections that you make. That opportunities don't always happen straight away. But people network more when they need something, and that's when you can fall foul of coming across. Some in some in some occasions not in the best way, and that's when people can get a little bit can take it the wrong way. Rightly so, when people are a little bit too direct and a little bit too forceful in you know saying, "Ah, oh, uh, can I get a job? How can I get a job? Can you give me a job?" Those things, I think, you know that those sorts of questions you have to be much more patient with. You need to get to know people from a from a networking perspective first and. Some of the connections and contacts that I've got have been through visits and through years and years and years of just trying to get to know people, learning about them, learning about what they do, sharing ideas. For me, that's that's been the best, the best way that I've personally found that sort of networking side of and finding opportunities that not only fit me, but ones that also fit the person that I've got to know. Yeah, that's a great message. It's, it's a good way to, to kind of wrap it up where you you know, it is low bearing fruit in 2023. Low bearing fruit is find someone on LinkedIn and, and ask them for 30 minutes of a phone call and you have to be able to contribute. But I think your your point to where you're saying there is is that it took you five years. But in that five years, it's not as if you, you know, I think, I think sometimes you sell it short a little bit where... Uh, you, know, you go to Spain and you get the position and, and you get the teaching and you work your backside off and you do the coaching. But like 
can you talk a little bit to finish it up about the early journey, about the, the, the working in the clubs in England and, and working through that very, very competitive coaching ladder? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really it's really complicated. I mean, I, 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 not speaking for everyone, but I think a vast amount of us as coaches started as volunteers. Uh, you know, you, you start somewhere, you know, grassroots football is volunteers. It's based on people who are willing to give up their time. You learn... You know, you learn the bread and butter in in those moments. Um, I was very fortunate to to be near a club, or from I was from I'm from Colchester originally, and um, when I first started getting into academy football, Colchester for me was really you know we had a couple of FA tutors and mentors who had just started to roll out some of the youth awards and done some of the pilot schemes and. I was in the club there where that was happening. So the support networks, the the attention to detail, the attention to learning, the p- process, the journey, all of that for me was was really good. And then going from you know, I spent really fantastic, great four years at Colchester United. Uh, then went off to to Fulham, Bournemouth, Saints, you know, and and continued to find new experiences. Kept trying to push myself keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone. I love trying to move myself forward, try to learn. Um, and of course, alongside that, you know, I'm, I'm going through university. So some of those moves also helped in terms of logistics and being close to where my university was. So some of those things obviously naturally helped. Um, but just think as, as, as a coach and someone that I, you know, I really love, really love learning and pushing myself out of my comfort zone keep you know I'd, I'd always always go and watch other coaches work you know if i'm at coach united i went to watch the reserves i'd go watch the first team training sessions when i was at fulham i'd go watch other coaches i'd watch the 16s work i watched the 18s work when i was at bournemouth i did the same when i was at saints i was at the same going to watch boys sessions girl sessions women's sessions first team men's under 23s same as here now like i'm going to watch other boys sessions uh i'm watching uh Juvenilles, the under 18s uh can't quite get in above that because it's a bit more of a closed shop as you can imagine um but you just you know it's just about learning it's just about trying to learn from different coaches learn different parts of different sessions and just keep trying to push yourself on i think that's the you know something that i really try and pride myself on and so I think you know I can showcase that in terms of my experiences by what I've done. Showcase that you know that that journey and process about learning and being out of your comfort zone. Hopefully, uh, you know I inspire myself doing that. But if I can inspire other people to do the same, to better themselves, to better their, themselves as coaches, as people, and the players that they're going to work with, then I take a lot of lot of enjoyment from hopefully being able to inspire one person to, to, do, to do it. And then it's, then it's, you know, it's great. Brilliant. What a way to finish it. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, thank you so much. Loved it. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the invite. Thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.